0: Big Beat Manifesto goes, big beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy.
1: Contagious. Yeah. This is This is contagious. Plus he thinks he might be gay. He's 80% certain. 80. Nice. No need to overdo it. So he's ...dealing with that, which I think is great, and I'm being very supportive over. I always thought he might be a bit gay, but more like 30%, if I'm honest.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Dude Brothers Podcast, episode 56, Chairman Mark. My name's Sean, and I'm an honourable man.
1: My name's Laura, and the only things I own are porn, a rubbish bag full of clothes, and a mini-displayer.
0: Yeah, but do you have any mini discs?
1: You know what, I did have a mini-displayer, just like Jeremy, in the noughties... Got rid of it. Also got rid of my mini disc. So no, I don't have either anymore.
0: I wanted a mini disc player. I saw this commercial where there were these like cool ass skateboarding kids, and they were like, (laughs) they were like jumping in half pipes and like shredding rails and everything. And one of them had a discman that kept skipping, and all of his friends started laughing at him because they all had mini disc players that didn't skip.
1: (laughs) I mean, I don't actually understand. It just didn't take off, did it? Because I never bought a mini disc. I just put all my cds onto mini discs and then that was the end of that that died mp3s became a thing
0: yeah i imagine that if uh mp3s hadn't ever become a thing that mini discs would have taken over
1: yeah yeah they were they were the the musical personal musical device of choice for the cool kids definitely apparently of course
0: apparently according to wikipedia mini discs were very popular in japan
1: oh really hmm interesting
0: and if there's anything I know from watching, like, late 90s, early 2000s anime, I can tell you that that is definitely a thing.
1: Hmm. I, I had a boyfriend who tried to, in the early days of our relationship, the one whose stuff I burnt in the bin, he was he gave me a CD to listen to one day and was like, oh, you can listen to this on your way home. And I was like, dude, I only have a mini-displayer. And he was like, well, well I don't know what to tell you. No one else does. That's really weird. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, someday we need just need to do a full length podcast on the bin burning guy.
1: <laughs> the bin burning guy. I've got a good anecdote about the bin burning guy actually uh, to do with Jeremy's lack of possession. So I will tell you about that later.
0: Do you think we could get him on the show?
1: Oh, definitely not. He should. If he's not in prison, he should be. Like that's the situation with him.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Well, that's <laughs> unfortunate.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure he isn't, but I don't think he would want to. I don't think he'd return my calls. Let's put it that way.
0: I feel like he's, like, the, you know, fifth member of the team behind <laughs> Yumi, <me, laughs> Phil, Danielle, Donnie, bin-burning guy.
1: Yeah. Bob the bin-burning guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so glad that we got the podcast out last week, because, holy fuck, that was... Uh, last week was stressful for the podcast, It was. In my opinion. It really was.
1: It was a stressful week, but we're back oh hang on the girls are talking phil's about to take them out to the park but in the meantime they're making a lot of noise about it
0: that's okay i can just edit it out
1: um what's i gonna say yeah it was very stressful but i think my internet connection's back where it should be now
0: yeah you sound fantastic so
1: yeah
0: yeah so what did you think of this episode because i have some thoughts
1: i liked it i probably so this will give you a clue as to where it is on my list might not have rated it quite as highly as i did on a sort of going back and doing my list but i quite liked it it's a bit sillier than i remember it being is that fair
0: yeah you and i are on the same page because i was just about to say how like i was really looking forward to watching this episode and then i watched it and i was like "Hmm, that wasn't really as funny as i remember it
1: no it's fine but like you say, definitely not as funny as I recall.
0: Yeah, like, I was I was watching it, and I was like, when do the jokes start?
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of a sort of needless stuff, I think, with Mark's sister, which we obviously we'll talk about as we get there, but again, she's not... She's very funny when we first meet her, I think, in, like, season three or whatever it is, but I then think that her appearances become a little bit strained, is what I feel like on a... What, since I've been critiquing Peep Show to the level that we've been critiquing it.
0: I believe this is her last appearance.
1: Oh, well, no more Sarah.
0: Yeah. Let me, I can double check here.
1: I think you're right, actually, because I don't know. She's not in season nine.
0: Yeah. She's, uh, I mean, it's like you said, she's very funny when it starts. And then, yeah, last appearance of Sarah. Mm. So, shucky darns.
1: Oh well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Have you been doing anything else this week?
1: So I went to Thorpe Park um, with a group of children. I was made to for my job, not just you know for fun. Um, For funsies. (laughs) Funsies. We went on Wednesday, and it was like school's day. So they have a day, or they have several days each year where it's it doesn't cost as much for admission, and the kids, and it's just school kids. Oh, my God, it was awful. So our coach driver was saying that he'd been talking to another coach driver. And apparently they'd admitted 13,000 people that day. Well, I can well believe it. Not a big place by any stretch of the imagination. And it was like Lord of the Flies. There was nowhere to sit. There was just It was just children, as far as the eye could see, screaming, hyped up on candy floss and bloody Dr. Pepper. And I, it was just the worst day. It was so hot. We had a girl on our coach who was sick on the way down there. And I just, I was so, so ready to retire by the end of of, of Wednesday. I was just, i just had enough. I really had. Um, But it was the theme park from the Inbetweeners, which I know you've seen that episode. And we witnessed a minibus ploughing into someone's parked car, which made us all laugh because we said, well, thankfully, there was no one in it, so we could laugh. We weren't just being horrible. <laughs> we were saying it was like that bit in the us with the trashed car at the end.
0: Oh my god, that's so fucking funny.
1: Imagine coming out and finding a new car had been fucked up in the Thought Park car park. You'd be so annoyed, wouldn't you? you think someone had done it as an in Inbetweeners joke.
0: Yeah, oh my god.
1: <laughs> what about you? Have you been up to anything else this week?
0: Uh, Just, I feel like my entire life has revolved around Japanese pro wrestling since, like last tuesday
1: oh yes because of your other podcast for if there's any crossover for peep show fans and the uh, japanese pro wrestling fans and there must be there must be more than just you
0: oh uh, i hope that there is more than me but i think it's probably <laughs> just me
1: <laughs> so you're all podcasted out
0: uh it's not necessarily that i'm podcasted out it's more that i'm just tired <laughs> <laughs> So tired. So tired. Yeah. Uh. So. so let's go ahead and do what you, we came here to do. Yeah, I'm ready to do what we came here to do. So, we had this episode. It is definitely an episode.
1: It was definitely an episode. Um, and it starts out in Apollo House with Jeremy and. Someone I don't think we've seen before, have we?
0: No. And that's one thing that was uh, interesting, is that you just see this kid, and they don't talk about this kid at all, but they just say he's nephew, so you just automatically assume he's Sarah's child.
1: Son, yes. Um, and Jeremy is playing some sort of computer game. You Some
0: to... sort of... Whoa, 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 whoa.
1: <laughs> I know what it is, because Dobby says, but I wouldn't have known unless she said...
0: Oh, my God. Laura... What am i gonna do with you
1: <laughs> it's street fighter 2 right
0: it, yeah it's like you never went to an arcade in the 90s i don't
1: think i did to be fair <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think that's fair i don't think i did
0: <laughs> jeremy is like really trying hard not to look at dobby and he's thinking to himself you know don't look at dobby don't even think about dobby if i don't look at dobby i can't be in love with her just focus on the game beat mark's nephew lovely calm calming beating and yes. as he's thinking about this, he just hits Chun-Li with a tiger uppercut and uh, wins and beats Joshi, only taking like one or two hits.
1: Yes. Um, we then move into the kitchen, or no, into Mark's room, sorry, where Mark is very slowly opening a bottle of probably not champagne, if I know Mark, uh, with Dobby on the bed. And Dobby says, do you realize you've been opening that for almost 15 minutes?
0: Yep, and Mark says, just because I'm very carefully easing open the kava doesn't mean I'm not celebrating, and I thought this was pretty funny because whenever somebody around Nicole opens champagne, she always gets down and, like, cringes and preemptively scares herself.
1: <laughs> so we, this is going to sound weird now I think about it, but we drink a lot of sparkling wine at work in at any kind of celebration, if there's any any celebration then sparkling wine's the thing we drink, and I'm always the one who's asked to open the bottles because I'm not afraid of them. But if people do seem to be scared of opening sparkling wine bottles. It does seem to be something that makes a lot of people jump.
0: Yeah, it's really funny where you just like, like Nicole just like, she just like kind of hunches up and just gets all scared before they even pop the bottle open.
1: The uh, the secret is to be gentle but firm. Uh, I've got a colleague whose grandfather who now I think of it sounds like a bit of a wrong one, apparently says that you need to be, you need to treat a champagne bottle like you treat a virgin, firm but gentle. There you go. <laughs>
0: oh, God.
1: <laughs>
0: Peep show sex tips.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, Mark then says that just because he's opening it gently doesn't mean that he is not celebrating, and uh, she says this is not how they do it at formula one and he says that they had to pay for the champagne themselves they probably wouldn't be quite as gung-ho with the the champagne as they are
0: yeah we also find out at this point that mark has been promoted to traveling salesman and um he thinks that it would be easier for him to win the japanese grand prix than to get dobby to move in and at Mm -hmm. this point dobby has to take like a big hit off of her inhaler she says ooh, that was a bad one. I think it's the damp in your wall.
1: Yeah, and Mark says scathingly that you don't think it's got anything to do with the bongs you and Jeremy are always smoking. She says, what well, are you, the cannabis police? And he says that actually comes under the remit of the proper police. Um, <laughs> that she, But she then says that she really doesn't think she's going to be able to move in until the damp in his wall is sorted, thus setting up Mark's part of Mark's plotline for this episode.
0: Yeah, is it weird that Dobby has asthma all of a sudden when she was paintballing and we've never heard of her having asthma before?
1: Yeah, the asthma hasn't previously come come up, has it? And And if it's asthma, like I've got a friend who has asthma that was exacerbated by living in a damp house, but he's very clearly got asthma. Like, you couldn't know him for longer than 20 minutes without watching him honking on his asthma pump. So I agree with you that I think this might have come up before.
0: Yeah. It's weird. the other weird thing about this is that I don't feel like that Mark is the kind of person that would just let a damp wall go.
1: mm I guess that's true. I guess it depends on the age of the building and the it might be something that's quite hard to control particularly in a flat if you tie up and it's coming from elsewhere in the building it, it might I agree with you I think you would put things in place but it actually might be quite hard to stop from creeping ever upwards in a high rise flat i would think
0: the other thing is is we've seen this wall before and at no point in the entire series has this wall ever been damp or has mark ever indicated that this wall is damp
1: no that's true um yeah that is is true i mean it is just a bit like her asthma it's just i think a plot is a plot device isn't it oh
0: obvious yeah of of course i just think it's a weird plot device
1: yeah it is a bit odd um Mark, now, but then sorry, go.
0: Oh, I was just gonna ask you, what is a freehold committee? Like, is this a British thing or?
1: So, when you when you purchase property here, you either have a leasehold or a freehold. So, if you are living in a house, generally it's a freehold, which means that you hang on, let me just check I'm right about this, so it so this checks out because I don't want to get like angry tweets um <laughs> yeah so um if you buy a house then the land it sits on it means that you own that land as well as the house that's the that's a freehold but if you live in a flat which has obviously got lots of different properties piled up on one another not no one person could own the land so it's a leasehold so you own the property but you don't own the the actual land that it sits on because more than one person owns the property. So normally it belongs to like a third party, it's contracted out and they have to deal with like maintenance issues to do with the actual land itself. So damp probably would come under that. They'd probably be like a common pool of money where everyone pays in for a outside agency to sort these sort of things out. Whereas if you live in a house, you own the land yourself and therefore you don't have to consult with anyone else to, to sort it. So in order for Mark to sort out this damp wall, which is obviously something to do with the land that the property sits on, there's going to be a freehold and there's a freehold committee. So that obviously means the residents have got together and they've made their own kind of pool of money, insurance, like jointly or something like that.
0: Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense. Does that That's, makes sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I kind of figured, um, I kind of figured it was something like that.
1: I probably explained it poorly, but that is like the general gist of that. If there are any lawyers listening that could explain it better, get in touch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Mark wonders that if Davi is faking asthma to avoid moving in and um, then Mark tells her that he's going to call the freehold committee to have them sort out the repairs. Uh, Davi thinks it's really romantic that he's contacting a committee for her. And Mark says that he'd email a thousand councils and petition a million quangos for you, Dobby. Uh,
1: yeah, she says that's probably the plot of the next Twilight film. And <laughs> then Mark says once the damp's sorted, it'll be bonjour chez Dobby. And she says, why, has Jeremy found a place to live? And Mark says, well, no, but he she probably, he, definitely will do. He's sorting out his stuff as they speak. And that's when she says that, no, that he's actually playing Street Fighter 2 with your nephew.
0: Yeah, and Mark says that he was cleaning out his stuff until he found that thing, which I'm assuming that thing is the genesis. And uh, and Mark says, but Jeremy really means that this time he's already thrown out his collection of limited edition Tango cans, and from the way he cried, shifting him is going to be fucking murder.
1: <laughs> Do you think Mark really believes that Jeremy is going to move out this time? No. No, I don't either. I think that they're both sort of... Living in a bit of a fantasy world about this moving in situation.
0: Yeah. I I don't blame him though. I mean, because Davi has been very like committal, non committal, committal, non committal on moving in with him.
1: Yeah, he can't. Yeah, it it, it makes sense on Mark's behalf, but I I agree with you that I think in his heart of hearts, he knows she's probably not going to move in, and anyway, Jeremy's not going to move out.
0: Yeah, the L Dude brothers are going to stay together always.
1: Always, yeah
0: um so next we are it's a little later in the evening and jeremy is still in the living room playing street fighter 2 with Joshi. uh mark comes in and starts talking to him and jeremy asks where dobby is and mark says he's gone and jeremy's pretty relieved about that
1: yes he says that he can now uh look away from the tv
0: Yep, and uh, he ha- Mark hands Jeremy a glass of the Cava and Jeremy asks what this is for and Mark says that this is for his promotion. He is the new traveling sales rep for Bath Bathrooms and Fittings and Jeremy wants to know how he can be a traveling salesman when he can't drive.
1: Yeah, and Mark says you can get to places without cars, you know. His nation was made great by its network of railways and canals. And Jeremy just laughs at this and says, oh, good. So you're going to be doing it by barge. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and Mark says, no, it'll be mostly by buses and trains and that he's gotten a sat-nav too. He also gives Jeremy kind of an ultimatum that he needs to move out by the weekend. Jeremy wants to know if it's an ultimatum. And Mark says, no, it's much more friendly than that. It's an ultimate
1: yeah, the wheels are in motion. The lorry of fate is driving into you, Jez. Um, we then move to uh, later that same evening. And in the flat, Sarah is looking at the door. And Jeremy opens the door. And she's clearly been crying. And Jeremy asks what's wrong. And then immediately says, it's not my fault, is it?
0: Yeah. And this uh, this part right here kind of sets Jeremy's portion of the episode into motion.
1: Yeah. Um. um Sorry, again. no go ahead um, yeah she says she's broken up with nick jeremy has no idea who nick is but you know wants to be supportive and wants to be comforting so he puts his arms around her and says "Oh, come here and he's like yeah classic you feel bad so i feel you
0: yeah and we find out that the reason that her and nick broke up was because nick learned that sarah had a son and you know nick says has a niece that he likes and then when sarah told nick that he has or that she has a son he went all quiet and said really calmly well sarah i'm afraid in that case i'm out like he was duncan banatine
1: yes of the dragon's fame did he come up last week do we were we talking about why did we talk about dragon's den duncan Bannatyne's one of the dragons anyway
0: Oh, uh, why? Or was why, one we... of the
1: dragons? But we did mention dragons dead last week, didn't we?
0: Yeah, I can't remember what the context was.
1: No, Duncan Valentine's like the coldest of all the dragons. Like he would, he always said he was out. He was, he was, he was mean. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Um, Jeremy kind of sees that he can take advantage of this situation, and he thinks to himself, "Mark's sister, she's got nice sad eyes, and is all vulnerable and huggy." Forget Dobby. Dobby's gone now. Sarah's here.
1: Yeah. He says he shouldn't just take the first thing that came along, but you know, maybe it's fate. It does the hard work so you don't have to, which was um, an advertising slogan for Flash, which is a floor cleaner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God. I'm so fucking stupid, Laura. I was thinking when he said Flash, like he literally meant like the superhero of the Flash.
1: Oh, no, he's talking about the floor cleaner. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) To be fair, that wouldn't make any sense if you didn't know that slogan. so...
0: Yeah. Um, We see Mark in his bedroom, and he's on the phone, and he says, yes, it's very damp. It's sodden. And you can tell that the person on the other line is like, sodden? What the fuck does that mean? Because Mark just (laughs) explains that it's very damp.
1: (laughs) Yes, and he says he needs to show the committee as soon as possible. Um... But just as he's he's making those arrangements, Jeremy puts his head around the door and says, good news, he's found somewhere to live. And Mark's sort of obviously happy, but a bit surprised by this. And he's like, oh, well, that's really quick. How did you manage to find somewhere so quick? And then Sarah comes around the door and Jeremy <laughs> just puts his arm around her.
0: I think it's weird that they recycled the name Ben so soon after Ben, Zara's boyfriend.
1: Oh, that's true. But I guess in real life, we all know people with the same names, don't we? So it's sort of... I mean, that always annoys me. Like in soap operas, that no one ever has the same name. When, like in my department, there were three Lauras. So, <laughs> I, you, you know, I think that it's. I think it's quite good that they've recycled the name. It's realistic.
0: It might be realistic, but it was really damn annoying because I kept expecting Ben the shit to pop up.
1: That's true. Because when I hear Ben, I do think of Ben the shit. <laughs> Sorry, someone's just come past my house playing. Can you hear that? Yes. <laughs> That's very loud, sir. <laughs> oh my god. Um, um yeah, so um we then move on to Jeremy and Super Hans packing up all of Jeremy's stuff and Hans asks if the table's going, like um, gesture into the table in the living room and Jeremy says, Oh no, that's actually Mark's as well. So clearly this is not the first thing that Hans has assumed is going with them but isn't.
0: Yeah. And then uh, Superhands just kind of says, So, what is actually yours then? It's not just these bags of clothes, this case of porn, in the mini disc player, is it?
1: <laughs> and Jez says, Oh, no, I mean, there's definitely more.
0: And then Superhands is like, Well, I blagged the lorry, mate. So, where are all your mini discs? And Jeremy <laughs> explains that he put all of his vinyl onto mini disc in the noughties and then threw away all the mini discs in the teenies.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,. He's thinking to himself, how could this be all my stuff? Why is everything Mark's? Um, and Jeremy... Um, and Superhands is a bit exasperated at this point, And so then, to sort of save face, Jeremy says, oh, yeah, the chairs are mine. And thinks, fuck you, Mark. If you're going to hump Dobby, I'm going to hump your chairs.
0: Yeah. So did you know somebody that also had a similar living condition?
1: So when I moved in with Phil, or Phil moved in with me, he moved into my flat. He'd been sharing a house... Um, with his friend and when he'd been a student a couple of years previously they'd been burgled and pretty much everything he owned had been robbed aside from like some sad shit no one would rob like I don't know school books and that sort of thing so when he moved in with me he managed to do it all his friend who he lived with had a van it was like oh I'll I'll help you with your stuff. We'll get the van. Didn't need a van. It all fitted into the back of a full Fiesta. It was very sad. And <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's housemate, but a was sorry for him because he bought a few of the like communal things around in the van and was like, you can have this ironing board as well, mate. So he, he, he came to me with very little stuff.
0: Uh, well, that's actually good because the less stuff you have, the better, I think. <laughs> that's
1: true. And I had enough stuff for everyone. And... We've expanded like when I think now that we lived in a one-bedroom flat, which didn't have enough stuff in it, and now we live in a four-bedroom house. That's like I know we've I know we've acquired two other people as well, but we are bursting at the seams with shit. So it was probably just as well he didn't have much stuff to start with.
0: Yeah. Um. So next we are on a bus with Mark, and this scene is kind of funny. I think um where mark is just bitching about public transportation and he's thinking three trains four buses and a cab (sighs) anywhere between two and five hours depending on waiting times how complicated to go to an industrial state in lutterworth i feel like i'm trying to go to fucking mordor
1: (laughs) yeah which is a line that always makes me laugh um i look this up so i look to see on my maps on my like my apple maps how long it would a where the hell lutterworth was so lutterworth as it turns out is in it's near to like coventry so it's sort of in the middle the early midlands up that way um so it's a fair way from from croydon but it wouldn't take that long to drive in a car so hang on my calculations are here Phone, so it would take apparently to drive from Croydon to Lutterworth it would take you about two hours two and a quarter hours something like that Mark clearly is doing this uh, journey on a bus and it's taking him considerably longer
0: yeah (laughs) and I feel bad for him because his GPS starts going off and it just says uh, in a hundred yards turn left and Mark is thinking to himself like shut up shut up and the (laughs) GPS is just going turn left Turn around when possible. Make a U-turn. Make a U-turn.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't happen now, because obviously you could just do it on your phone and it would tell you the steps, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, He gets to the place he's going and he thinks, I'm here at the Emerald City, only 24 minutes late, and the guy he's come to see, Alan McGernigy, uh, tells him that he's very friendly, but he says, you know, I told your guys that I'm actually not looking for anything at the moment, but they said they'd send you just in case. Um so what have you got? And Mark kind of opens his little case and uh, shows him a brochure and he says this tower where I was particularly sturdy and and the guy says no, you know, thanks, they're not for me but thanks for coming anyway, hope the drive wasn't too bad.
0: One other important thing in this scene is that for just about like a split second in Marks' briefcase we see that he has two copies of Business Secrets of the Pharaohs.
1: Yeah, he's clearly carrying that shit around everywhere.
0: And I don't know if it was because I was incredibly tired last night when I was working on the notes for this, but just the more I thought about business secrets of the pharaohs, the more I could not stop laughing about just how fucking ridiculous it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, the first thing to remember is that the two ages are so incomparable that you can't really make any assumptions. <laughs> oh my
0: God, I just was laughing so hard when I was just thinking about, like, uh, just how, like, Utterly ridiculous a premise this book is.
1: <laughs> we then move to Sarah's house where Jez is putting his clothes away in a wardrobe. He's hanging his t shirts on a hanger like a king. And Sarah comes in and he shouts out, Hey, honey, you're home. And thinks that this is great. She's probably going to want us to have sex with him right now. That's going to be how he's paying rent like an actual rib boy.
0: I don't feel like their relationship at this point is sexual. Like, it doesn't seem sexual. I mean, I know that they have. Hooked up before, but um, it I agree really with you. Seems... I don't
1: think they're having sex at the moment.
0: It really seems like she has him more as a fucking maid than
1: yeah. He's basically like a houseboy, isn't he?
0: Sarah tells Jeremy that she's got a bit of work to do and asks Jeremy to make dinner, but then specifies not pasta. And then she wants him to go play jo- chess with Joshy, and I. Couldn't help but think that, man, I bet Jeremy wishes he had learned how to play chess on Mark Stag now.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. She says, do you know chess? And he says he knows of chess. It squares, isn't it? And she just says, Google it.
0: Is this the first reference of Google we've had in the series?
1: Oh, yeah, I think it might be. Into the 21st century. Kicking and screaming. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and Jeremy thinks to himself, that's fine. Okay, I can do that. Uh, the sex is, the The sex will come later. I'm still bossing this. I just get to learn chess and practice cooking for free. I'm exploiting the shit out of her. The poor fool.
1: Mm. Yeah, he I, is a moron. I think it would be fair to say.
0: Yeah. I was, I made a note that says, I just love Jeremy's <laughs> slow descent into madness. This episode, he knows this is a horrible fucking idea, but he just dives headfirst into it.
1: And in a way, you've got to admire Jeremy's optimism because he always, in the most terrible of circumstances, manages to convince himself that this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, next scene we have we have the entire freehold committee and they're coming up to mark's apartment to go look at the sodden wall
1: yes um and it's we see uh gail who we've met before an old lady and a man uh in a cardigan who uh so mark thinks to himself old mother hubbard and captain cardigan
0: yeah Uh, my question is about gail because he mentions that gail is the only person that hates him more than his father yes why does gail hate mark
1: yeah i don't know that is a bit odd isn't it i I would have thought that she would hate she clearly does hate jeremy but maybe she just hates mark by association
0: i guess that makes sense that she just hates jeremy by or Mark by proxy
1: yeah i'm trying to think if that's reasonable if there's anyone i sort of hate on those terms not really but you do think don't you that anyone so i'm thinking of i think it'd have been burning bob now and like he's got friends that i definitely think they're twats by association just through <laughs> knowing him
0: yeah uh yeah. yeah there's people that i don't like just via association so i guess i guess now that you mention it, i guess this is reasonable that Gail yeah. wouldn't like mark yeah um So Mark leads them all into the living room and realizes that all of his chairs are gone. And so he has them all sit on the couch and um, he thinks it's kind of cool that he's like standing up because he's so much taller than all of them because they're sitting on the couch and um, old mother Hubbard, uh, old mother Hubbard asks if they have any biscuits.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, Gale says that this isn't going to take very long because you can't have new walls. That's not what the sinking fund is for.
0: Mark thinks to himself, he keeps like trying to go, and he's like, uh, but the wall is as wet as... And he's like, what's a thing that's wet? What's a thing that's wet? And he looks at Gail's shirt, and it has an eagle on it. And he starts thinking to himself, eagle? And he just starts praying for anything other than an eagle. But he can't <laughs> think of anything, and he just says, it's as wet as an eagle. We...
1: So one of the things we teach in year seven when they first come into secondary school are similes and we have to obviously give them like the start of a simile and ask them to come up with their own ending and I can never write it on the board without wanting to write it as wet as an eagle and it makes me laugh every time I do it.
0: I need to figure out ways to incorporate this phrasing into my everyday life.
1: (laughs) But what would the phrase be for wet? Like there's not one, is there?
0: Sure. Sure. Uh, wet is a sponge?
1: yeah, but it's not like a well known expression, is it?
0: Wet is a fish?
1: yeah, I still feel like it's not I'm trying to think of like what's a well known simile um as deep as the ocean, like that's a well known simile. there's not one for wet that that is equally as well known
0: Let's see simile for wet as wet as. As dry as a bone, as cold as ice, as sick as a dog, as wet as a fish, water, what's right?
1: See, someone on Yahoo Answers doesn't know either.
0: As wet as your tongue? That's fucking disgusting. (laughs) As wet as a drowned rat? Uh,
1: I suppose, yeah, as soaked (laughs) as a drowned rat is something you might say, isn't it?
0: How about as wet as rain?
1: Yeah, I guess. I just feel like none of these have got the punch of as dry as a bone as deep as the ocean as cold as ice
0: he should have used just sodden
1: yeah or as wet as your tongue i think that's i think that's the best one
0: um we find davi kind of tries to like help mark out here and she says i've got asthma i find it really hard to sleep here because of it and Gail just says we'll break up with him then
1: (laughs) yeah um and Mark just says, Look, I really do need to dip into that sinking fund. And Ben then says, Look, you can't, we can't do anything until the new chairman's been elected. And Mark says, I assume that you were the chairman. And Ben says, No, there's no one who'll do it. Oh, hang on. Hello? Is she alright? Yeah, how bad is it? Alright, hang on, hang on, hang on, Sean. How bad is it? How bad is it? Right, bring her home. Alright. We'll go home now. I'll be outside. Esther's bonked her head. I've got to go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, All I'll, right. get, I'll get back to you. Sorry. All right. All right. Bye. No problem. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: It's like 10 hours later. <laughs> I'm sure everybody wants to know, how is Esther doing?
1: She's fine. She So she fell off a roundabout. Uh, her dad took her and her sister to the park to get them out of my hair, because we were doing this. And they... Hadn't been there very long when she fell off a roundabout. The She was fine. There was a lot of blood. Uh, but the funniest part of the story is that when... So you could hear my half of the conversation. But Phil phoned me to say, Oh, Esther's fallen off a roundabout. I think we need to take her to the hospital because she's bleeding. And Sadie, my four-year-old daughter, took the phone off her dad and just started shouting, There's so much blood, mommy! There's so much blood! <laughs> like, never one to overreact and so uh she was i think she was more traumatized than anyone once i caught up with them about five minutes later esther was she was like covered in blood but fine like when sadie was just like it was terrible there was so much blood there was blood on the floor that's all she kept saying Uh, oh they they glued her head back together and she's now fine so yeah it didn't need stitches it just needed a bit of glue
0: well, I am so glad to hear that Esther is okay. I'm glad to hear that everybody in the Born family is okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're fine. We can carry on talking about Peep Show now.
0: Okay. So, it really it legitimately is like 10 hours later like we started recording it was it like I guess it's 8 It was, it
1: was eight? like 2 in the afternoon, wasn't it? And it's now my time and it's now like quarter past midnight. So I was like 10 dedica- out. That's dedication to Peep Show, that is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I just would like to say thank you to Laura for um, staying up late to record. I know that this is not ideal, but I definitely appreciate it.
1: No, no problem. Let's uh, let's do this.
0: All right, let's brew this thing.
1: Yes. So we were talking about similes, weren't we?
0: Yeah. And we were talking about what is an eagle, and then we were talking about how Dobby was chiming in to say that she has asthma.
1: Yes, and that this is the first time we've ever really kind of heard about the asthma being this bad and that gail then says that well if you have asthma that bad then you need to get a new boyfriend or break up with him
0: yeah and it just it's i'm like just shocked at what a bitch gail is this entire episode unnecessarily she's
1: really really cold really unnecessarily cold um but mark has uh, he makes the decision ben says that they need a new chairman um and they say that they're looking for a new one and mark makes the decision in his own head to run for chairperson of the uh, the freehold committee
0: yep and he thinks to himself dobby will love that women love power just look at bill clinton i'll be a very faithful bill clinton which i thought was very <laughs> funny
1: yeah it's a funny it's a funny uh, little reference to one of your presidents there
0: yeah. Um, we go to the next scene where they are at another bathroom company and Jeremy was nice enough to drive Mark there so that Mark didn't have to take public transportation.
1: Uh, yeah, and they are, they've they got Joshy in the car with them and they're listening to some sort of children's CD.
0: Yeah. Uh, they are at the Twickenham Trading Estate, Rugby Road. Twickenham tw one one UK.
1: So, I used to live really near here, but didn't know. Weirdly enough, I'd never been to the Twickenham trading estate, but when I looked at it on a map, I used to live about six roads away from here.
0: It's crazy when you look at it on a map, and you're like, oh, shit, that is where they were.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really is an industrial estate.
0: Mark says, that he, sex, Mark says to Jeremy that he really appreciates appreciate jesus christ i can't talk mark says to jeremy that he really appreciates the lift but it really is insufficient payment for the chairs and uh he also mentions that jeremy needs to return the chairs and find a proper place to live
1: yeah um and jeremy asks what that's meant to mean but mark quickly comes back at him and says that you're leeching off my sister while she's such a wreck um uh, you know, stop leeching off of her and Jeremy makes the point that if he is a leech he's a good leech like they used to use uh, doctors used to use in the olden days
0: and Mark says that leeches never really cured anyone of anything and Jeremy says well what do you expect they're leeches not bloody doctors
1: <laughs> and then Mark makes the point that he doesn't have to live with a Corrigan you don't solely survive off Corrigan blood um, and just then the phone rings and it is big mad Andy
0: yeah liam noble again for another little guest appearance
1: yes uh jeremy answers his phone uh no he doesn't answer his phone he sees it's big mad andy he cuts the call off and tells mark that he figures uh he's figured out he's got abandonment issues and mark says are you going to take the call then and jeremy says no which is a a lovely little joke it made me titter
0: oh yes i really laughed about that too where he's like uh no (laughs) 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 um jeremy tries to pump up mark and he says there's loads about sales and shit and life coaching and the key thing is not to accept negative negativity so it's like i don't hear the word no anymore i hear convince me and mark says well if that's true jeremy you'll end up in prison for sexual assault
1: (laughs) (laughs) and then jeremy makes the point that you just say celebrities are doing whatever it is um and that always works on people And he thinks in his own head, since Johnny Rotten started doing Country Life, I've been buttering like a bastard. Which is a reference to the former Sex Pistols frontman's brief foray into advertising a brand of butter in this country about 12 years ago. What? Yes, he did. Look it up. It was on YouTube, I'm sure. He did some adverts for Country Life that were just inexplicable.
0: Oh my god, that sounds insane. I will Mm. definitely be looking those up.
1: Yeah. And we then go to Inside the Bathroom Store. And Mark and Jeremy are in there, although not together. And there is what is this, presumably the manager or the guy in charge of sales. And Mark is showing him some stuff and thinking in his head, please buy it.
0: Yeah, please buy it. It's taps. You sell taps. Please buy it. <laughs> but this unnamed guy, he doesn't really like the tap. And um, Mark tries to say, you know, so um, interestingly, and he tries to think of a celebrity's name. And he says, Jules Holland has got one. And the guy just says, No, I think I didn't get to know. And Mark says, Thank you. And Jeremy kind of starts loitering in the background and he walks over and he looks at the taps that Mark has in his hand and he just says, Oh, cool. What are these? Are these for sale? And Mark just is instantly concerned about what's about to happen next.
1: Yeah. He's like, Uh oh, what's going on? And Jeremy starts saying, Oh, these are great taps. Um, Are they for sale? And the guy says that they're not, and he says, well, that's a real shame because I like these, as would all my friends and family, or all my friends and colleagues. Um, And I think Mark Ronson has ones like these, and Mark in his head kicks himself for not thinking of someone like Mark Ronson. Um, uh, And and Mark tries to kind of add to this, and the only person he can come up with is Werner, Hozog, who I don't actually know who that is, do you? Herzog. I I
0: am about 99% sure he's a movie director.
1: Right, okay, yeah. Um, Not as cool, I would say, as Mark Ronson. Yeah, he's Um, a
0: German screenwriter, film director, author, actor, and opera director.
1: The guy then says to Jeremy, Jeremy in character, that that they've got lots of taps. I'm sure we'll find something you like. And Jeremy says, no, it has to be these exact ones. (laughs) (laughs) um so the the man the bathroom man says just give me a couple of minutes and asks Mark to follow him and Jeremy thinks oh I'm such a good friend and person but Mark gives him a proper full-on Paddington stare and he thinks I still get the glare probably still get the glare if I gave him one of my kidneys (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) next we go outside and Jeremy and Mark are talking to each other inside the car and Jeremy's, like, getting really pumped up, and he's like, well, well, and Mark just says, I sold 300 units. And Jeremy says, amazing, and Mark just says, but fraudulently, I'm basically the Bernie Madoff of bathroom retail.
1: (laughs) And Mark thinks he's going to, he says, I think I'm going to puke pure adrenaline. Um, And they have a conversation about who Bernie Madoff is. There's some confusion about Bernie Clifton, Uh, but Mark says it really doesn't matter, he's a dirty crook as am i and jeremy just says well just saying thank you would have been nice and mark says yeah thanks for making me commit fraud <laughs> um
0: we then find out that the car won't start for whatever reason the car is incapable of starting and yes. so they are all out there and mark is just trying to they're trying to push the car while jeremy drives They have poor Joshy right in front of the exhaust, which I think is really, really goddamn funny because Mark doesn't care because his lungs are lung.
1: Yeah. Wait, wait, uh, sorry.
0: His lungs are young.
1: That's a proper tongue twister. Um, Mark thinks, is it okay to make a five-year-old boy push a car, but then thinks it's probably character building, which really makes me laugh. Um, But just as they're in the middle of all of this, um, the bathroom guy comes out, To speak to Mark, uh, because he's left something in in there. And then he sees what's going on and asks how they know each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, (laughs) And uh, Mark can't really say anything. And he just sort of looks and just kind of stammers. And then he just says... And then Jeremy just says, Quickly, Mark, let's go. We've been rumbled. And then Mark just starts yelling at him, Where you, bloody idiot? (laughs) We can't start the pissing car. And... (laughs) I w all I had to think about was literally all Mark had to say was, Oh yeah, this guy asked me to help push his car. I don't know. Crazy yeah, shit. I,
1: I thought this and I so I was watching this in the kitchen doing something else and Phil was in the room and I said this to him and Phil said, Well, you're you're like a born liar. Like that's that's <laughs> why you'd find it that easy to like, not everyone's a sociopath like you. But I don't I don't think that's true and I'm glad you've said that because I agree with you that You know, I can understand like it maybe in the heat of the moment that it would be like it would be surprising, but surely Mark might have thought this might happen when they got in the same car together anyway. So you'd have something lined up, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I would have just said, Oh yeah, this guy was, you know, his car his car needed to start and I was appreciative of, you know, what he did for me and all this stuff, so I just wanted to come help him.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm with you.
0: Yeah um we get to a another scene that i somehow forgot to take into consideration when counting out the 22 scenes in this episode and mark is apologizing to the guy and he just says and apologies again for grifting you uh i don't suppose you could maybe not mention it to robert at baths bathrooms and fittings and the the bathroom guy is like yeah that's fine, and then Mark sees that Joshy is inside shitting in one of the toilets.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the bathroom guy shakes Mark's hand, and as he goes to turn around, Mark like continues the handshake, and he thinks, "Not gonna let you turn around. This handshake's only just beginning." <laughs> I really like the use of the word "grift" in here as well because it's not a word you hear very often, but I think it's one that we should try and bring back into common parlance. But
0: do you think what Mark did is grifting?
1: No, not really. It's uh, it was <laughs> it was a it was a novelty a novelty grift, wasn't it? It wasn't it's not the most it's not like he didn't rob a bank. Yeah.
0: I mean it's not like he did anything wrong.
1: This is the sort of thing that I know again, if I said this to Phil he'd say, Well you're morally bankrupt and that's why you don't think it's a grift But I don't I don't think it's a grift, no.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't think it's a grift either.
1: Nah, nah. It was just, just Bance, mad bants
0: yep i mean if if mark and jeremy had uh if mark and jeremy had set out together to and like came here with this specific goal in mind i would say yes that is definitely yeah, a grift. That, was,
1: that would be a grift but this was like a spur of the moment it was just something that jeremy did to help his mate out like it could happen to anyone
0: it was light grifting
1: yeah it was it was exactly that <laughs> diet grifting
0: yeah diet grifting so, next we get to probably the funniest scene in this episode, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, we are in um, Apollo House, or we think... I don't know where they are, actually. A pub, but not a pub because, like, a function area. Yeah, but, it's, yeah, it's weird. It's like, <laughs> a,
0: it's like a theatre or something.
1: Yeah, it's odd that the Freehold Committee have managed to secure such a professional-looking space. Yeah. But, anyway um mark is preparing to make his presentation um and he is running it past jeremy talking about the stuff he's going to say and he says he's got this great thing about bees and their role within the hive and he thinks that that's really going to speak to people and jeremy says that's all good just make sure you mention the uh, the door to the bins because that lock is is really stiff or something and um and and <laughs> we need a new bolt lock and, and Mark thinks, wow, that is a big ask. That's probably the kind of thing that uh, Nick Clegg asked David Cameron for, referencing the at the time uh, contemporary coalition between the Conservative Party and the Liberal Democrats, Nick Clegg being the Deputy Prime Minister at the time. Ah, uh-huh. yeah.
0: I really enjoy this next part where Ben says that they have three candidates for chairperson and everybody's going to come say a few words. First, Mo Gatlin from Flat 23. And this That's old, old
1: Mother Hubbard.
0: Yeah, she walks up to the front and she says, "I'll do it if you'd like," and then just kind of walks off stage. And Mark thinks to himself, "Might have overcooked this a bit."
1: <laughs> yep. Um, and next up is Gail. She gets up and she says, so "Her name's Gail. She's been on the committee for four years. She knows how it works. She'll do her best to carry on Ben's good work." And as she sits down, Mark thinks, Yeah, I've definitely overdone this."
0: Yep. And then they say, finally, Mark Corrigan, flat five. And Mark just thinks to himself, well, those are the starters. Get ready for the fucking beef, Wellington. (laughs) And Mark gets up and he starts making this speech about that, which is not good for the beehive, cannot be good for the bees. And like bees, we have an equal duty to maintain and protect our home. And then Gail just says, we've not got that long, Mark. And Mark just says, okay, Uh, how long exactly do we? we're finishing at seven and then he just starts skipping around and he's
1: yeah he looks up at a clock and it's like one minute to seven yeah Uh, yeah and he's like oh i can skip some of this he's got like a powerpoint hasn't he and he starts clicking through them
0: yeah yeah it's very very fucking funny um he says uh uh and then as he's he's getting ready to finish he just says i am mark corgan and i'm an honorable man and jeremy whispers kind of loudly and he's like Bins, Mark, bins, (laughs) and Mark says, "And I promise to sort out the stiff bolt on the door of the bin store."
1: This really made me laugh because this is a bit of a like niche teacher reference. But so when you're starting out as a teacher, you obviously one of the main things that you don't think of is that you've got to learn instinctively how long you've got in your head to fit in the stuff you need to fit in, and when you're a new teacher you've got no idea. So if you've got like an hour and you've got to break that hour down into like tasks for the students to do and stuff, you inevitably try and fit like two hours worth of stuff in your first lessons. So you end up and especially if you're being observed, it's even worse. So you end up with like skipping through loads of stuff and garbling. And this really reminded me of that. Like Mark is like a inexperienced teacher just trying to get through stuff
0: yeah it's so funny and he's like you could tell that mark has put a lot of work a lot of time and effort into this powerpoint yeah
1: there's some great pictures on that powerpoint that they never get to properly appreciate
0: yeah it's very very funny uh next scene we go back to sarah's house i just had hang on
1: hang on no we forgot to say that he ends it this crap speech with i'm mark and i'm an honorable man that is the like that is the ending before jeremy says about the bins and he just looks like a twat
0: Oh, okay. I thought I mentioned that. Guess not. Sorry. Oh, did
1: you? I thought you didn't. Maybe you did say that. Maybe edit okay. me out of I'm um, It's late here. <laughs> well,
0: no, this is all staying in. Like people, people are gonna gonna see. Listen to this rust and all.
1: People are gonna say that. I'm just not listening to you. <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> Sorry, as you were. Next scene. <laughs> uh,
0: this is the weirdest show we've ever done. And the longest we're at like ten hours, so this is a pretty long podcast for us. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Jeremy is doing this like weird little dance at the table, and uh, Sarah and Joshy are just eating. And Jeremy just he's tired of dancing, and he just wants to uh, he just wants to eat dinner. But Sarah won't let him until Joshy, you know, says it's okay to stop.
1: She should just get a TV in her kitchen. That's what I thought. Here was as someone who very much uses the tv as a babysitter you could just get a man on the telly to dance for, for joshie
0: yeah and it wouldn't nearly be this uh humiliating
1: <laughs> exactly it wouldn't wouldn't be this expensive it wouldn't be this humiliating you wouldn't have to live with jez there's so many benefits to the tv as babysitter
0: yeah and then mark shows up at the house and he announces that he is the new head of the apollo freehold committee
1: yes um so here's to Chairman Mark, or Chairman Mao, Chairman Mayo, is what Jeremy says. Uh, and Mark makes a history joke. Let's hope that my aggressive land reforms don't lead to widespread famine. And Jeremy's confused by this. Mark explains <laughs> that he was referencing some of Chairman Mayo's policies. Um, and says, I don't know how much you know about him. And Jeremy says, well, I know his name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then, uh, Sarah comes in and starts talking to Mark and she says, Mark, if you plan to use Jez as a driver again, you have to check his Google calendar first to see if he's free. Jeremy looks all excited and is like, Ooh, I've got a calendar. And Mark just says, yeah, we'll do. And then Mark and Sarah just proceed to have this conversation about how they're going to handle Jeremy's calendar, how they're going to let the other one know that they have him booked up. Um, it's really, really goddamn funny. And this whole time, Jeremy just looks so excited, but his face is like slowly like getting less and less excited as this goes on
1: yeah he asked to see his calendar um and she says no need babe and this is like encouraging maybe and mark's asking if this means you know things are well um but he jeremy says that he's not sure it's all great but there's this one thing uh and mark asks if that's that he wants to have sex with thousands of other people And Jeremy acknowledges that that's the thing, but says, no, not that. It's that her tastes have now changed in the bedroom because she's clearly read Fifty Shades of Grey and she is, you know, into S&M. Not so much. (laughs) She wants to be the S. He has to be the M. He's down with that, but we can't both be the M.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, this is so funny. And Mark's face is just like getting increasingly he's getting like increasingly uncomfortable at the conversation. (laughs)
1: uh yeah jeremy says he thinks that her reading of 50 shades of grey has made her very horny but at the same time very angry
0: yeah and mark is just like oh my god i do not <laughs> want to hear this at all
1: <laughs> um So they're interrupted then by Sarah having an outburst because her ex-husband was meant to take Joshie at the weekend, but now he's going to Chicago, the utter bastard. And Jeremy just thinks, well done, Simon, that's me getting hit with a series of objects for the rest of the (laughs) the evening. (laughs) Um,
0: We go back to Baths, Bathrooms and Fittings, and we see Mark and he's talking to Robert Grayson. And Mr. Grayson is just saying, you know, as a representative of this store, everything you do on the road comes straight back to me. And Mark keeps staring at this pimple that is on Mr. Grayson's nose and he's just hypnotized by this pimple.
1: Do you get this? Uh, Is this a thing that you want to do?
0: Not me, but I know people who are like obsessed with popping pimples.
1: Yeah, I really like it. Like I would be like Mark in this situation. I would really want to pop that pimple as well.
0: I'm just like throwing up in my mouth a little bit.
1: <laughs> I don't like. I don't know. There's just something weirdly satisfying about a good pimple, a good like a really pimple, like one with a lot of pus in. Is just there is just something very satisfying about it. I might not want to do it on my boss, but <laughs> yeah, I like that.
0: Have you seen like the, uh, um, like the stuffed cupcakes that are shaped like pimples that you can like squeeze yes. and the frosting yes, comes that's... out of the top.
1: That's just a bit grim because you've then got to eat that. But I I sort of am into it. Like, I think if they made, like, a stress toy that was, like, replicating that feeling, I would really like that.
0: I. Why do I feel like they do?
1: It probably is a thing.
0: Pimple popping. Stress toy. All right, guys, I am going to... uh, I'm going to go put this on, I'm going to tweet a link out to this, and if somebody buys this for Laura,
1: <laughs>
0: you are our hero.
1: I'm so glad it's a thing. I it might looks, buy it for myself.
0: It looks so motherfucking grim. <laughs> oh my Me god.
1: Mark, always weird. Always the weird ones.
0: Here you go. I sent you, I sent you a link to it. Although, oh,
1: since, to have a look.
0: since it is American Amazon, I don't know if you'll be able to access it.
1: Let's have a look. Oh, it looks amazing. And
0: All it right, comes with...
1: Can... Oh, it comes in different colours, skin colours. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> and it has refillable pus.
1: <laughs> it's sort of a bit racist, I feel now, as well, that it comes in different skin colours. Let's put this in as a search term with Amazon UK.
0: And the refill is only 5
1: 99 Oh, that's a bargain. Amazon UK. Mm, let's have a look at this. Yep, it's there. Oh, currently unavailable. Don't know when that will be back in stock. Oh no, hang on. Nine ninety nine with free delivery—that's a bargain. If I buy this, Phil, kill me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right.
0: If anybody wants to buy it for Laura, it's nine ninety nine. Just tweet her, and I'm sure she'll gladly <laughs> give her address to a random weirdo on the internet.
1: <laughs> a random weirdo that wants to buy me a pimple popping simulator simulator yeah that's but those people are all gonna be normal
0: yeah i'm sure they are um (laughs) as we were yeah so mark is just like really tuning out everything that robert grayson is saying and grayson kind of calls him on it and says are you listening to mark and mark just says yes yes sir of course i just want to apologize the fact is robert it was my driver's idea he very much started the grift without my say so i was barely involved and um Grayson is just like I'm sorry what and Mark explains everything that happened it to uh Mr. Franks and then um Mr. Grayson says no I got a call from Alan some last name at Lutterworth McGurnaghy at Lutterworth about you leaving a number of editions of some book you've written business secrets of the pharaohs in display toilets (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't even heard from Dave Franks, he says, but uh but you know, he's he's dropped himself right in it now, so what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um uh he then Mark then thinks no need for the water ball, just show me a poppable whitehead. Um and so Robert Grayson then asks what's going on, but uh but Mark is distracted at this point.
0: Yeah. And he just says, Am I sacked? I bet you're sacked. And then his phone rings and Dobby just says contractors are there and that it's going to cost 9,000 plus VAT. And Mark is just appalled that it's going to be 11,000 or $10,800 or euros, excuse me. And he kind of prides himself and he says, that is
1: fantastic math. (laughs) And he says it was meant to be about 700 quid. He can't spend that because it's virtually the entire sinking fund. Um, and, he then sees that Robert Grayson's trying to speak to him again, and he sort of like is like, "Oh, hang on." And then Robert Robert Grayson says that Dave Frank's uh, he just spoke to him, and apparently you and some other bloke tried to swindle him, and then one of you did a shit in a display toilet. And Mark says that you know it, that was not what happened. There was also a five year old boy, and uh, even if he didn't mention one, you should check that the shit will be child sized
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, this is my favorite line in the entire episode. The shit will be child size if you asked him. And then Robert Grayson just says, I'm not asking him that. And then Mark just says, Hey, am I fired? And Grayson just nods his head. And Mark holds up the phone and he says, Right, I'm approving. It's coming out of the sinking fund. I'm the chairman and I'll transfer the money in five.
1: Yeah, so he's feeling reckless. He's been sacked. Devil may care. Pulls the trigger on the sinking fund.
0: Yep. And then we go back to Apollo house where Mark is standing in front of an elevator. Um, Old mother Hubbard is there and they get on the elevator together and they start kind of talking and mother Hubbard looks at Mark and says, you are just what this place needs. You know, someone to stop the rot, the broken tiles. And Mark just thinks to himself, yeah, I can't really do any of that because I've spunked the seeking funds within 24 hours of my leadership.
1: Yeah, Mark says they're all great suggestions, but having looked at the accounts, it's actually better if, you know, we just save the money for emergencies. Um, and he thinks, by emergencies, I presumably mean things that matter to me, like if my DVD stop work, stops working or if I really want a Nando's.
0: Yeah, and I was going to ask you, thankfully, <laughs> that we got to this part, what is a Nando's? Because there's a wrestler who has a a move called Cheeky Nando's, he's British.
1: Uh, yes, yeah, so a Nando's is a, is a chicken-based fast food emporium. Not, like, classier than KFC. Like, one up. There are table wooden tables in there. You sit down. Uh, but you have to order at the counter, so it's still, like, fast food. And there was this uh, phrase of the cheeky Nando's that was banded around a few years ago, which is, like someone British having a Nando's essentially, but it it means a, if you said, oh, I'm going to go for a cheeky Nando's, it's a bit like a a naughty thing you know you shouldn't be doing, like going for a cheeky Nando's on a school night kind of thing.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. In the terms of pro wrestling, a cheeky Nando's is a kick to the face.
1: Ah, okay. It's it's friendlier than that, I would say. (laughs) But Nando's is a beloved institution here, although it's actually... Portuguese I believe.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Originally, or oh, that's what they're telling us.
0: I was not aware of that.
1: It's you, you must have like peri-peri chicken there, right?
0: Uh, peri-peri chicken.
1: Just like a it's like a spicy sauce you put on chicken. Nando's have just made that into a multi-million business oh. idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, we have, we have. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's nice. You probably like it
0: yeah interesting so
1: they have spicy rice
0: <laughs> i can't eat rice laura
1: oh of course and i don't really like rice so but everyone else likes the spicy rice so
0: goddamn carbs <laughs> N- speaking of nicole and i went to a mexican restaurant and i was like okay i'm just gonna go there i'm gonna get a a taco salad and that's it and um
1: a- a tacos not carbs
0: well, uh, I was going to get a taco salad, so it was just going to be, like, uh, ground beef and everything, but I wasn't going to get rice or beans, and so there wouldn't be any carbs in it.
1: Oh, okay, right. I'm not familiar with the taco salad as a concept.
0: Oh, okay. It's like, just imagine a taco with so, no shell.
1: I was going to say, so it's all the stuff in a taco without the taco. Yeah, I, basically. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, we got there, and they put the goddamn pie, bowl of chips in front of me. I just tore into those, like, a fat kid into, like, a fucking, like, it was, like, a dozen cupcakes that I haven't eaten, and I haven't had tortillas or chips in, like, three months, and I just went to fucking town on the chips, and then... I mean,
1: I'm gonna say, like, crisps are, like, crack anyway, like, even if you're not on a carb-free diet, I don't think there's a man alive you could put those in front of who wouldn't do it, like, they just, it's just something instinctive about eating all the chips so i think i think you know it was understandable what you did
0: yeah Uh, i i yeah i felt like a disgust especially (laughs) since i haven't eaten um um especially since i haven't eaten carbs in so long that eating them just made me feel like oh my god i was gonna
1: say did it make you feel sick
0: it's not that it necessarily made me feel sick it was more that i just was like Oh my god, I just felt full. Like, I ate way less than what I would usually do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I ate way less than what I would usually do. And, yeah, I just... I felt like a bloated pig While by the time I was done, but it was
1: The revenge of fucking the yeah, delicious. carbs, yeah. I'm sure they were delicious.
0: Oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> I can't even, like, describe the heavenly flavor of... The chips melting in my mouth. Oh. Oh.
1: <laughs> I'm imagining like Homer Simpson when he gets that bit of drool on his, on his bottom lip now.
0: That is exactly what happened. <laughs> exactly what happened. Um, so, let's see here. Now that I'm thinking about fucking Mexican food again.
1: <laughs> oh, Jeremy comes back. So, Mark gets out of the lift and sees Jeremy who says, Hey, flatmate
0: yeah and uh mark is like what and uh jeremy says he's back from the dead or mark thinks that jeremy's back from the dead the zombie flatmate come to eat my brains and my cheddar and jeremy says that he's had a big think and decided he was right about leeching off of sarah so he's back he's ordered us a pizza and found an amazing youtube clip of a monkey riding a pig
1: do you think it was baby monkey
0: jesus christ get out of my head
1: it must it must have been it's about this this was about the time of baby monkey wasn't it
0: yes I it's about exactly that time
1: yeah yeah um so Jeremy says they're just gonna hunker down and, and veg out and Mark says that you don't live here anymore and Jeremy says uh, I've moved all my stuff back and Mark says well so you've returned my chairs then uh, but Jeremy says no he's with his clothes as well and his pawn case and <laughs> uh he can't move it again it's really heavy
0: yeah. It's very funny. I love this part. You,
1: um, so I had—I uh, think I said at the beginning when we started recording this, like ten hours ago. I don't know. Did I mention that I had a good porn case anecdote?
0: No, you didn't.
1: So Bob, the the bin burning boyfriend, he unsurprisingly came from quite a dysfunctional family. Really dysfunctional, like heavily weird. And when we'd been together about two years, his uncle died. Never met his uncle. He lived far away, like somewhere mad, like in the West Country. They weren't from there, but like that bit of Cornwall that's cut off from the rest of Britain because it's fucking miles away and no one goes there. He died. It was all very sad. He didn't really have any extended, like he didn't have family of his own. It was just like his extend, like extended family, like... I nearly called him by his real name there like Bob the nephew and he left Bob a suitcase just full of pornography like printed pornography and this was in 2004 when, when that wasn't really a thing anymore and it was in his will it stipulated that this suitcase should go to him and when they got it home it was just full of porn. Like that's a normal thing to happen in this day and age. So I wonder if uh, Jeremy had the same uncle. Maybe he and Bob were related.
0: Oh my god, that is so fucking funny.
1: And this was like some of this was. I mean, it was porn like spanning the years. It wasn't. It wasn't like it was. Some of it was recent, but it was like it was like thirty years of porn. It was like man and boy porn, and yeah, and there was no explanation. There was no note. It just came to him in the suitcase. And the weird thing was, he was sort of sentimental about it. He was like, well, I don't want to chuck it away because I loved my uncle and this is what he's left me. And it was like, your family are so fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Like I should have known then. I should have known then that this was not going to end well.
0: There's always... When I was in school growing up, and I don't know if maybe they touch on this in in in-betweeners. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But you would always like just randomly find porno magazines like out in the forest between like my school and walking home
1: see this is something i've heard before but have no experience of personally because i was a girl and but yeah this is this is something i've heard of
0: yeah yeah it was your rite of passage to find your first piece of forest porn
1: that's pretty it's weirdly like coming of age the idea of that
0: yeah uh, now that the internet exists forest porn isn't quite as uh, as big of a deal as it used to be.
1: No I'm pretty sure that, that I don't think printed pornography really is getting passed around teenagers these days like it was you know I think it's I think that's over.
0: Yeah I remember that we talked about this I can't even remember which episode it was where we talked about how tough it must be for porn companies to even stay in business.
1: Yeah because I used to work for a pornographic magazine didn't I that and we've talked about that i used to write for a pornographic magazine who no longer exists because how could they and how could any of them like i don't know how anyone's making any money out of porn
0: (laughs) yeah did you say that you had listened to a podcast about it
1: i did yeah it was a um it was a audible original about yeah about the porn industry and how they operate and make any cash at this point it was really interesting i can't remember what it was called though
0: uh, maybe I'll have to figure out which episode of the podcast was, listen to it, and then tell you.
1: I think I've still got it in my Audible Originals, actually, so it shouldn't it shouldn't take Sherlock Holmes to find this out. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. My library. Uh, no. God, I've got a lot of shit on here. Most of it is the children's shit. Uh, hmm. Must have been a while ago I was listening to this. Because I can't see it. Ah, the butterfly effect.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: Yeah, it was really good. Worth a listen.
0: Yeah. Um. So. Christ, I did not Oh, even... Jeremy.
1: Yeah, sorry. Jeremy said that he can't move the case of pornography again because it's really heavy. And Mark says that the weight of his old school pornography isn't breaking his heart. Um, the damp sticks. Joby's moving in and that's happening and Jeremy just breaks and says he can't take any more of it at Sarah's
0: yeah and uh Mark is just saying you know he's thinking to himself don't weaken Mark and Jeremy is saying like it's it's not just the S&M it's the cooking and cleaning and constant dancing I'm some pole dancing oven scrubbing migrant sex worker let me back into the first world please and Mark <laughs> is just thinking to himself like don't weaken Mark, he's only your best and oldest friend, you owe him zilch.
1: Yeah, um, and then the next thing we see is Jeremy, who is, <laughs> this, I love that, I think this is the best bit of the whole episode, we just see that he's turned up at this like, crack den essentially, and he's saying he really appreciates this Andy, and we see big mad Andy in this squally flat and he says that he hasn't got a bed or anything for him, but there is a free corner he can have
0: oh god uh, this is so funny and um jeremy says he's flat sharing with a psycho and uh he's laying in a fucking trash bag and he's just thinking to himself who's in the corner oh that's my life coach That shivering pale man with the suitcase of porn is helping me get my life back on track and
1: uh i i really like the fact that he's in the like what benefit is there to him sleeping in the bin bag it's not it's not protecting him from anything it's not keeping him warm like i don't understand why he's even doing it
0: yeah uh next scene we see jeremy and he's like laying on the floor in a bin bag but he's like wide awake his eyes are like gigantic (laughs) and like probably a little bloodshot and he's just thinking to himself i'm sleeping in a bin bag i'm human rubbish my sixth form careers advisor was right all along it's not even a thick green one for garden waste. This is black for landfill. I belong in a <laughs> landfill.
1: <laughs> Poor Jeremy. Maybe this is Jeremy's lowest deb.
0: Yeah. I think that this is probably about the lowest he gets in the entire series.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, we then move back to Apollo House where Mark and Dobby are hosting her moving in.
0: Yeah. And uh, Dobby like just proceeds to spill some fucking kava all over the floor and mark just thinks to himself great let's celebrate with an inaugural stain and uh,
1: um, yeah he thinks he's going to refrain from squirting the stain removal stuff until she, uh, they've had their tender moment yeah. and she says she knows it's going to be great um this is you know can't wait to move in and he thinks she almost sounds convincing
0: yeah uh jeremy walks in at this point and he says cheers hi it's me and mark just says oh what now and jeremy says he forgot his mega drive it's the one thing he owns that he can't masturbate to or in <laughs> and mark says well okay i'll back that up for you and jeremy says also can i stay i slept in a bin bag at andy's and i couldn't really handle it
1: <laughs> yeah um and mark says big bad andy's and jeremy suggests but he says, the good news is that super Hans's bag is now available it's a sleeping bag, not a big bag. So it's a step up, but it does have someone in it tonight. But tomorrow it's going to be all his.
0: And Davi just says, poor bastard. Of course you can stay the night, Jez. We're going to have pizza. I want Hawaiian. And Jeremy kind of throws Mark under the bus a little bit. And he says, ooh, he won't have that. And Mark says he doesn't want fruit on his pizza, just like he'd rather not have melon in my lasagna. So Laura, I want you to put your foot down. What do you think of pineapple on pizza?
1: Yeah I really like pineapple on a pizza. How about you? I do too. Yeah I don't I don't really eat ham so I don't like it with ham but I just like it on its own or this is a bit weird with tuna which is kind of a similar idea I would say to ham and pineapple.
0: All right yeah uh I like Canadian bacon (laughs) so I'll just eat a Hawaiian pizza please.
1: (laughs) But yeah I like it I'm not like some people are really, really angry about it, aren't they? But me and Phil both like it, so it's it's agreed, it's fine.
0: Have you seen uh, pizza on a pineapple where they have a slice of pineapple with little tiny slices of pizza on top of it?
1: No, but I would probably like that too. I just like pineapples.
0: Yeah, I do too. I like the crisp that you get. It's like a good contrast from kind of the doughy crust.
1: Yeah, no, I'm into it. So this is a tip for about six months from now. If you go overdue when you're pregnant, you're meant to eat, or like in the final weeks, you're meant to eat loads of pineapple. It's meant to be a thing that helps you go into labor. And I went into labor early with both girls, like the right week. So I think it was all the pineapple that they did it. So there you go. Tell no that.
0: I will make sure and eat pineapple.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think you eating it. it's going to do any good, but you could cut it out for her.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> when she's like tooling around with her big eight and a half month belly
1: yeah exactly she's gonna need help cutting that pineapple up she or just buy a pre-cut up that's my tip my pro tip
0: um uh jeremy and davi decide to play a little bit of street fighter and um davi kind of apologizes and says sorry mark and then or excuse me jeremy says sorry mark and he thinks to himself i'll fight Dobby, but not my feelings i like my feelings my naughty naughty feelings and Mark is upset because he says there's a new Danish drama on PVC four. Apparently it's like the killing, but more bureaucratic. And I could only imagine that that would be the kind of show that Mark would really like.
1: He would really like that. That just sounds like a meeting on TV. Yeah. Um, and then Dobby says, look, if just needs some time to sort herself out, then, um, she can wait quite a bit of her stuff's in the big yellow storage unit anyway. Um, and she needs some time before she can pick up, um, uh, so before she can pack up sorry and Mark thinks there it is finally it's the big yellow storage for the big yellow bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and then uh yeah so then pretty much at that point Mark just thinks that this is just another reason for her to try to put off moving in and he just thinks he needs to get her to admit that she doesn't want to move in with him and then he'll win. And he just thinks somehow that means I will win. And then we get flagpole sitter. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, where do you think I put this? Oh, Drummond, let me... Please.
0: Jesus, I need to go back to Twitter and pull the thing up. <laughs> Hold on, give me just a moment here.
1: No worries.
0: All right, so I'm looking at your list, and I'm going to just throw this one out there at 30.
1: Oh, close! Do you want to try again, or should I tell you? Uh, thirty-four. Twenty-five. Oh. So I, I, like I say, I would not have put this as highly probably again if I was doing this this now. But hey, it stands up. It's funny. It's got some. It's got some funny elements. Uh, oh. Just not as many as I remember.
0: It definitely has funny elements. It just like not. It definitely, like you said, not as many as I remember. Like I completely forgot about Ralphie. Uh, or I guess I didn't forget about it, but R- Ralphie shitting on the toilet still really cracks me up.
1: Joshy.
0: What did I say? Ralphie? Yes. Ralphie. Joshy. Joshy shitting I mean, on the they, toilet that, really cracks me up. stupid
1: names for a child. So either way, but yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. And I'd also kind of, even though I knew big mad Andy was in this episode, I'd forgotten how funny, well, you heard how much I was genuinely laughing, remembering it, how funny that bit with the bin bag is.
0: Yeah. I, I do love that part with the bin bag. Mm. Um,
1: so um i mean not that you've had time but have you been watching or listening to anything else this week other than japanese pro wrestling stuff um
0: well i actually did watch a show this one might be a little bit of a reach because it's very niche but i was watching an anime show with nicole
1: right
0: i cannot remember what the name of it is but it is about how the inside of your body works and okay, so
1: that sounds intriguing
0: yeah so like red blood cells are always running around carrying oxygen with them white blood cells are police officers platelets are like little children that are just playing around everywhere it's really really fucking funny hmm,
1: that does sound interesting
0: yeah it's called oh it's called cells at work Hadar- Hadaraku Saibo
1: sounds like the sort of thing we might have watched in gcgc science it sounds like the kind of thing that might have been put in place to make us remember stuff about biology
0: yeah it's really really cute it's very very funny i love it a lot
1: is it on netflix
0: uh no it is it on it certainly isn't it's on a anime streaming service <laughs> called crunchyroll
1: oh, i've heard of that yeah um, I've got a film recommendation. I don't know yes. if you've seen it. It's on Netflix. It's called Whiplash. Uh, uh-uh. It's about... It doesn't sound... Right, so Phil found it It's and was like, oh, this has got really good... It's like 96% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. We should watch this. And then he described what it was about, and I thought, or not. But it is about a boy who really loves drumming. He's like a musician, talented drummer. He goes to Schaefer University... I don't know if that's a real place, in New York, which apparently has got the best music de- department in the whole country and is, like, psychologically tortured by an insane music teacher. But, of course, the music teacher's a genius. Um, and it has, has it stars J.K. Simmons, who is the dad from Juno. And He's also he the is...
0: spokesperson for the company I work for.
1: Oh, is he? He is superb in it. He's marvellous um, and revelation. And I, I thought he was good in Juno, like I enjoyed it. But he actually, he won the Oscar for this, apparently, for Supporting Actor that year, which I think was 2015. And uh, he's, he's just brilliant in it. I was really surprised because I was like, oh, that's the dad from Juno. And then he plays this really, like, evil Machiavellian guy, and he's just brilliant in it.
0: Yeah, he, he uh, is the spokesperson for, like I said, he's the spokesperson for the company I work for. They call him Professor Burke.
1: What, so he does, like, adverts?
0: The commercial series is called Hall of Claims, and what he does is he takes people who don't know shit about insurance and he takes them to the Hall of Claims to show them stuff that my company has covered in the past.
1: Oh, cool. I sort of like him less now I've heard that, but okay, he's a sellout, that's fine, but he's really good at this film.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, J.K. Simmons has done a ton of stuff. He was um, He was like the main bad guy in the HBO prison drama Oz.
1: Oh, was he? My, I had an ex-boyfriend who loved that, like, really loved it, and I sort of, by default, saw some of it because he watched it so often in my presence and we lived together, but I had didn't actually watch it myself, so I I, I know him as Juno's dad.
0: Yeah, he was uh, J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man, he was Harvey, or he's Vern Schillinger in Oz, I mean, like, the dude has been in, like, every fucking thing.
1: He, so maybe he does play bad guys a lot then, but because I'd only ever seen him as Gino's dad, where he's a very affable fellow, I was really surprised to see him playing this really evil character, and he's really evil, like, so evil, dark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that's my recommendation this week, is to go and watch that. And like I said, it's on Netflix, so
0: easily accessible. Sounds right up my alley, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I think you'll like it. Um... I recommended it to my mom this afternoon. I've been, I've been telling everyone about it. So yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Did you ever get to see your folks today or did you just yes, say I Fuck did. It? So
1: they came and cause they were meant to be bringing, dropping some stuff around to us. Uh, and including Esther's got like a little cozy coupe car now, you know, the ones that you like, you make it go like Fred Flintstone with your feet. Um, and they bought it for her as an early birthday present. So she could use it over the summer. And it had been at their house, so they were bring, dropping it around so she could play with it here. And they've got a key, so they let themselves in. So they were here when we got back, and Esther came in like a soldier returning from war with a bandage around her head. <laughs> 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 bandage, I thought she was quite proud of in the end.
0: Poor Esther.
1: Poor Esther, yeah. Is she but... going to
0: have a scar on her face?
1: I think so, but luckily it's like at the hairline. So I think her hair will cover it. And weirdly, Sadie's got a scar in the same place because she had a similar injury. When she was a similar age, she uh, fell up some steps, uh, like going up to her old house, and she caught her head on the edge of the step. So I think maybe both my children have got slightly square heads or something because they've obviously caught it at the same point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh... Ah, Right, well... We I did think it, that's... we got there in the end.
0: Yeah, we have a big episode next week. It's kind of the start of the end next week. It's like... You
1: know what, so I've been, I don't know if you do this a lot, but I do this a lot where I'll watch whatever one we've got to watch this week, and then, because it's on Netflix still over here, I just let it kind of keep rolling. And, and then I just, when I'm doing something, I'll pick it up at the last spot. And I got to the end of Series 9 again, like yesterday, and I was like, oh... I not only feel emotional about the end of this now, but I feel emotional about us coming to the end of our own peep show journey. And yeah, I feel a bit emotional about it. So yeah, it's going to be weird coming towards the beginning of the end.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know it's not the end for us, you know, as a podcasting unit, but it's just, it's so weird that like this little thing that started, you know, like a year and a half ago, you know, that people fucking listen to it that we have people who interact with us on Twitter, people who have paid us fucking money for this show. I mean, it's just...
1: It's so weird as well that, like, I don't know about you, but Peep Show, and, like, Peep Show's been part of my life for a long time now, and I've always, like, rewatched watched it and stuff, but now, like, it's really a part of my life. Like, I'll see stuff out and about. Like, I tweeted earlier in the week a picture of a, some advert with a clean shirt in it and was, like, laughed. And I would always have laughed at that, but now I'm, like, laughing and sharing it with people and then talking to people about it and it's weird to think that like oh i'm not i don't have to look at everything through the eyes of like peep show anymore and i'm gonna feel a bit sad about that
0: yeah oh man i agree with you it's uh it's gonna be interesting
1: yeah but i mean
0: i'm i'm excited about it i mean i really have enjoyed doing this this has been a real love letter to peep show and you know i'm really really happy that not to get too mushy or anything that i made a amazing friend from this
1: yeah no i I agree with you i and i think if anything like the affection that i already had for peep show this only makes that affection greater and that's a beautiful thing but like it's going to be weird not to talk about peep show every week
0: yeah but you know we'll go through we'll get through in-betweeners and then after in-betweeners who knows where we'll go from there
1: exactly i i'm excited for new frontiers but but you know it's going to be a bit weird leaving peep show behind but you know i am also really excited to talk about series nine because i just fucking love series nine so much like really love it it's going to be great
0: yeah uh, i think series nine has some really funny episodes in it that are are underappreciated
1: really underappreciated and having re them now um so many times and just it's really up there as one of my favorite series so it's gonna be great whatever do you watch life in pieces uh-uh uh, there's a there's a great like recurring joke in that about wrestling and now whenever it comes on i'm like whenever the joke's mentioned i'm like because that's a the thing there they watch it properly it's in schools and we like it just seems so unbelievable to us
0: that's crazy uh, what's it what's life in pieces about
1: it's really good it's really good it's about it's a bit like modern family but funnier like less broad than modern family i would say and it's about it's like a similar setup it's like a married couple and a grandparent and the aunt and uncle and they all each so each episode is split up into four bits with like a five minute segment telling the story from the point of view of each family it's really good oh
0: i'll have to check that out that sounds pretty awesome
1: it's it's really funny it's worth worth a watch it's got um who's that guy james brolin he's in it he's very good at oh it. okay yeah but uh, yeah. josh
0: brolin so
1: there's james that old guy maybe josh i don't know also tom hanks's son is in it
0: interesting
1: yeah it's, it's really good really really worth your time and um i think it's on amazon if you've got the amazon thing it's on there so yeah james broden he was married to i'm sure he was married to barbara streisand yes he was you're still married
0: to her interesting
1: yeah okay. right well i better go because it's o'clock okay. in the morning so all i'm right. gonna go to bed and i'm not 24 i'm like diego so. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay, you have a good so, one laura thank so, you so much
0: for uh i, I really right. appreciate you for I, I really really appreciate you so much for um you know laughed. sticking it out so that's
1: okay we better sign off
0: yep this is the Duke brothers podcast signing off Eh, eh. Eh.
1: goodbye bye I am in local
0: parentis I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice I am the home trained dentist ay